I would like to invite Rob to come up and speak to us. So for those of you who don't know Rob, Rob was um, the founder of the Woodlands Church family, and he's been an absolute blessing to us at Highgrove over these years. And it's always wonderful when he comes to speak to us. So thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Lara, for that gracious invitation and welcome. Great to be with you, and it always feels like being with family back here at Highgrove, and great to see some fresh faces as well. So we're beginning our Easter series as we come through into Lent, and particularly today we're looking at that kind of why questions. Why did Jesus choose to come on a donkey into Jerusalem? And we're going to try and unfold a little bit background to that and what it might apply to us today. So let's just read the story of where it happened in Matthew's Gospel and uh, chapter 21 verses 11, 1 to 11. So, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with a coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. This is right back in Zechariah, centuries earlier. The prophet had written, Say to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you gently, riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their coats on, cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted right away, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Father, we pray now that you come by your Holy Spirit. Speak to us through these scriptures today. Not only the interest of that record of what's happened in history, but its relevance for us today, that you still speak prophetically into our lives today. In Jesus' lovely and precious name. Amen. Amen. So the question, why did Jesus choose to ride on a donkey as he came into Jerusalem? And the answer is almost in the passage we read, and that is that uh, uh, this was to fulfill a prophecy that had been given centuries earlier. Right back in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, the prophet had written that, uh, Rejoice, rejoice, O daughter of Jerusalem. Your king comes gentle riding on a donkey. Now, throughout Scripture, we will find that God uses prophecy to help to unfold his plans, his purposes in history. And often those prophecies appear centuries before the actual event happens. And this is one of those amazing examples of it. Uh, But as well as the sense of that in history, God also will speak to us a kind of now word prophetically today. And in this passage, we have both happening. We have the fulfillment of historically, Zechariah 9 and verse 9, centuries before, rejoice, rejoice, O daughter of Zion, your king comes riding gently on a donkey. And here it was fulfilled. But then in the actual event itself, Jesus does something prophetic. He says to his two disciples, he says, I want you to go up to that village up ahead there, and as soon as you enter the village, you'll find a donkey tied there, and I want you to bring it. 
You think, well, how do you know? I mean, had he been there early in the morning or anything? No, Jesus is prophetically giving them an insight. So you could have not, not naturally known. Often in Jesus' time, just like the woman at the well, when he, he, he speaks about her whole past history, and she says, wow, you're a prophet. So God can speak into our lives, not only from that kind of sense where we see unfolding in history, but how he brings it to fulfillment even today, now. So... Uh, Lara was just mentioning the prophetic clinics that are happening at Woody's. These are opportunities to wait on God and sense, what is God saying into my life today? What decisions do you have to make? What challenges do you face? God is interested and often he'll speak prophetically into our lives. It might be about our relationships. It might be about our finance. It might be about our job. It, it might be about our health. I had a dear friend just recently who was going to get the results from some tests he'd had and uh, Sadly, as he got there, the diagnosis was that he had cancer and it was quite serious and uh, he wasn't sure how long he had to live even and suddenly all those kind of questions of how many, how many more days have I got to... And, and that day, he read his daily reading and his reading was in Psalm 139 and, you know, when we read scripture daily in our lives, to be able to pray as we read it, not just, Lord, help me to understand this record of history, but, Lord, speak to me, your servant's listening. And that scripture said that, all your days are ordained for you. Before one of them was written in a book, I had ordained it. And suddenly felt, wow, my days are numbered. God, is, God knows it. And there was an, an amazing, he said, overwhelming sense that God's in control. That he's not taken by surprise. And often that's the value of the prophetic too, where we see history is not just random events, but it's his story, God's unfolding story, his purposes. And even though the prophetic sometimes will tell us exciting, joyful things like Jesus arriving in Jerusalem and the joy and celebration, it also tells us challenging things. That very experience of Jesus riding on the donkey and those very crowds shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, and there's such excitement. But a few days later, there are also the same people crying, crucify him, crucify him. This is the amazing story of Easter and a sense in which that cross of Jesus also had been foretold with many amazing scriptures. So how does God speak into our lives today? Last month, um, we usually begin the year across the Woodlands Church family with a, a week of prayer. And during that week of prayer, we encourage folk to maybe to cultivate some habits in prayer, not just for that week, but for the rest of the year, the rest of their lives, but also to be sensing what may God be saying to you for this year, the beginning of 2023, what's God saying? And uh, I felt a very clear kind of prophetic stirring of a word, not just for my own, myself, but for us as church as well and wider. Just three words it was, and it's been so significant for me ever since then, even though these past weeks, just these three words, pursuing his presence. What does it mean to pursue God's presence in our lives? Now, you might well say, but surely the presence of God is something passive that happens. You know, we come into church, we feel God's presence. You know, it just happens. No, no, no. We can actively pursue his presence. In fact, Scripture says his amazing words, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Oh, you mean I can actually, I can draw out the presence of God, yet you can draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. What does it mean, therefore, in our life to be pursuing his presence and the difference it makes? Particularly as we're thinking of this passage with the Jesus on the donkey and going and finding in that village just up ahead of them, as Jesus said, you know, you go up and, and as soon as you enter the village, you find a donkey tied. And so they did. What does it mean for us today to sense that sense of God saying to us, maybe a situation in our lives, well, to go there or to do this or to say that? 
God longs to speak into our lives. Whatever the challenge we face, God is longing to speak to us through his word. The challenge often is how willing are we to listen, to hear his voice. Moses, when he was faced with the amazing challenge of leading this rebellious people through a desert, a dry and barren area and all the challenge over these years, and he says this, Oh God, don't send us up from here unless your presence goes with us. He'd already said, Oh Lord, how am I going to lead these people? Who's, who's going to do it? And God had said, My presence will go with you. So the presence of God with us is in itself that source of guidance, that openness to hearing his voice, that prompting of God's spirit in our lives. How far in our lives are we open to hearing that? I, I remember many, many years ago now before, I mean, last year we celebrated 52 years of uh, a full-time ministry here in the city, and uh, it was a very exciting time together. But, but before even that, I can remember... Um, I, I had an amazing opportunity, in fact. Uh, I was awarded a special uh, project. It was to be able to spend three months in the Middle East, in the Holy Land, in fact, studying the industrial and technological development of Israel. These were fascinating days, not just their desalination plants where they were, you know, fertilizing the desert, or they were some of the early take-ups on IT and still today are quite leaders in areas of it. And uh, so I spent these three months there. Much of it was at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. and um, But... I'd always wanted to be able to visit to Bethlehem. Now, this tells you how long ago it was before most of you were born, because this was before the Six-Day War, and Bethlehem was the other side of the border, in what was Jordan, as it were. And so it was almost impossible to go across there. You certainly couldn't cross from Israel to Jordan. If you had Israel on your passport, they wouldn't let you in to, to Jordan. And, but I had, um, some years before, there was a, a dear old lady in Bethlehem. Her name was Auntie May. She was blind, and she ran this home for disabled and blind people. And uh, I prayed for it so often, and I, I said, you know, I, I'd never seen her. She'd never seen me because she couldn't see anyway. She was blind. But, but I said, that if ever I was able to get to the Holy Land, I, I'd love to be able to visit her. But I wasn't sure if it was happening, if it would be possible. And here I was in the Holy Land, but no way I could get there because, first of all, at the end of the three months, I had three months of research details of all Israel's industrial and technological development. So I, I, I had to send that back to the UK before I tried anything. And then the second thing was, after a long negotiation, I managed to negotiate with the embassy a second passport. Can you imagine that? A clear passport. Without, here I am going to cross from Israel to Jordan with a passport that hasn't got Israel on it. But anyway, it was a hassly experience in a place called the Mandelbaum Gate where, you know, you, nobody was crossing through it that day. I was the only one and it was about midday and I, 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 I got there. Well, I got there before midday and um, it took hours. They checked every hair on my comb, you know, and it was such a hassly experience just getting through there. But eventually I got through and when I got through, I, I, I was so exhausted. I thought, I just want to find somewhere quiet. And I'd heard about the garden tomb. Again, that in those days was across the other side of the border. And so I went to the garden tomb in Jerusalem. I can still remember now, I've told this story to someone, I'm sure, because I remember pressing through this little wooden green gate, and uh, I got inside, and there was a stone, um, a stone bench, and I sat on this stone bench, put my bags down, and thought I'd just catch my breath, because I, I had to try and get down to Bethlehem. Andy May had no idea I was coming, no idea I'd ever be, ever be able to come, etc. So I had to try and find it and get there. But no sooner did I sat on this stone bench and put my bags down, and this gate creaked open, and I heard a, a voice, an old voice, saying to the man who was by the gate, is Brother Robert here? I can remember standing up, the hairs on the back, and think, oh, I said, my, 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 my name's Robert. By now, the gate had fully opened, and this old lady had stepped inside and turned around, and I could see she was blind. And I said, are you Auntie May? 
She said, yes. And she said, you must be Brother Robert. I said, but Auntie May, how, how, how did you ever know I'd ever be able to cross? Everybody? How do you know it'd be today? How do I be here? Oh, she said to me, like us, it was so... She said, this morning, I felt the Lord's presence with me. And he said to me, go to the garden tomb at noon, and you will find Brother Robert. Why? Not just the hairs in the back of my head. No. It was like, but it was that sense of a kind of... Now, I went to stay with her for a few weeks. It's one of the things that laid a foundation in my life. I feel called to a life of prayer. One of the things that shaped it, being with her. Maybe because she was blind, she'd cultivated a sensitivity to the presence of God because she couldn't see. And just to pray with her. When she used to pray, I used to look around as if the Lord was there. You know, it was just that sense of the presence of God and, and hearing God's voice. That's what Jesus said to these two. Just go to that village up there and you'll find a, a, a donkey tied, you know. And, and up they went. Now, the challenge was they could have said, oh, he wouldn't know he's a donkey, just guessing at that. There's loads of donkeys around. We'll find one. But no, they obeyed. They, they did what God said. And the prophetic is how do we sense God preparing us for situations, equipping us often? But how far are we ready to hear his voice and to obey it? Pursuing his presence is about that real sense of pursuing the purposes of God in our life, sensing his guidance. But secondly, and I, I must hasten, there's so much on this that over the next year, I'm sure I'll share more of that word. But just, just one other thing of pursuing his presence is about pursuing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, the Holy Spirit makes real the presence of Jesus to us. In John 16, verse 15, Jesus says his amazing words. The Spirit will take of the things concerning me and will make me known to you. He will make me real to you. How do I know the presence of God? It's the Holy Spirit who makes his presence real. The more we experience the Holy Spirit, the more we know the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the more we will know the fullness of God's presence with us in our life. Wherever we are, every day of our life, whatever we're doing, whatever decisions we've got to make, just situations where we sense we're still on the bus stop, wherever we are, just that prompting of God's Spirit. You may be on holiday, wherever. I mean, on, on Christmas Day... It's just gone. Um, we went up to Birmingham. We, our, my son lives in Birmingham, got three grandchildren, etc. So we we're going to have Christmas with them this year. And uh, it was great because we went to church with them on, on the Christmas morning. And I wasn't on duty. I wasn't even welcoming at the door. I wasn't speaking or anything else. So I was sat at the back. And in fact, we had quite a, a whole row of a family there because um, we got the three grandchildren. Our, our oldest grandchildren, Hannah, is just doing a PhD. And um, uh, she's met a, a lovely Scandinavian fellow called Martin. And uh, he was with us because he couldn't get back home for Christmas, etc. And uh, they were sat in the row in front of me. And here we are, Christmas morning, service is going on. And as we stood there, and I was literally sat behind them, I felt that prompting of God's, what I call that kind of wow moment. Just the Spirit of God. And what he was doing was stirring me a real heart to pray for them and to, to just draw alongside them. Oh, we were only going to be there Christmas Day and just return the next morning. So we went back for Christmas lunch. I... I, 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 I caught Martin. I said, Martin, I said, uh, now, Martin isn't a Christian. In fact, it's all new to him. So I said to him, Martin, it's great to see you at church this morning. Uh, how do you find it? He said, oh, he said, it's all new to me, Rob. It's only since I've known Hannah. I've even been to church, he said. Uh, and he said, here, they even pray when they have a meal, he said. He said, it's all new to me. I said, do you, do you embarrassed by that? He said, no. He said, I feel it's a bit like community. Being part. I said, do you ever pray yourself? No, he never ever prayed. Uh, have you ever read the Bible? No, I've never read the Bible. Uh, he said, I wouldn't know where to begin. I said, would you be interested in beginning exploring? He said, oh, I would really, if, but I wouldn't know where to start. I said, well, 
I'd be happy to try and help her. And by that, we would have been called for lunch. I said, look, we'll chat again after lunch. Well, it was Christmas Day after lunch. We played so many games and charades. It was almost midnight by the time we were going to bed. So we never ever got a chance to be able to talk. But in the morning, we were having breakfast, and then we were going after breakfast. So I just had a quick conversation. I said, Martin, I've not forgotten that conversation we had. I said, uh, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll give me your mobile number. And I'll kind of WhatsApp you when I'm, when I'm back. And, and so he did. And I WhatsApped him two days later. We had an amazing conversation. It was a kind of WhatsApp video call just about the existence of God, what faith means. And I said, are you still interested in just exploring? He said, I would be. I said, well, you know, the Bible, there are four biographies of Jesus, so we could choose any one of them. But we'll just take the last of them. It's called John. I said, and would you be willing? I said, um, he said, well, I haven't got a Bible. He said, I, said, I expect Han will have one. So, you know, you could share it. They were going back up north, I said. And I said, just... Just read the first three chapters over the next week, and then, then email me or text me to say you've read them, and, but note down any questions you've got as you go through it. He said, yeah, I do that. I said, so off we went. Next day, Hannah called me and said, they call me Pa, that's my name for grand, granddad. Pa, they said, could, could I do it with Martin? I said, yeah, do it, it's great. Look at it. So he did. We came towards the end of the week, and they sent me the little list of questions. There's something so exciting, you know, when someone for the first time in their life is reading the Bible and genuinely seeking. I mean, the first question was almost the first verse of John's Gospel. Why do they call it the Word? I mean, what does it mean by the Word? And then the next one was, why the Lamb of God? The next one was, what does it mean? It's almost like the original time was asked by Nick. What does it mean to be born again, etc.? And so we went through their questions. It took us about an hour and a half going through. Now, we did it as a WhatsApp video. They were sat together on the sofa up there in Stafford, as it were. And I did it. I said, you, you up for more? Yeah, they said we did a little bit each day. I said, well, look, do next seven chapters. And so they did. Next week, this time they said, what we'll do, Pa, this time is, we won't just put the question, but what we think might be the answers. I said, do that as well. So it was a page and a half, A4, by the time I printed it out, next, and, and on the next Saturday morning, so we do it. And the next Saturday again, we do the next seven chapters, and by now they really were into it. And it, we only got one more to go, so I said, you know, next week we'll do the last two chapters. I said, but, uh, so we're now just into January, you know, we're halfway through January. I said, uh, I said, you know, John... When he gets towards the end of his biography of Jesus, he, 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 just like when you read a biography, often the author puts on the back cover why he's written it. You know, I went to Arctic or something and saw the penguins, and this is why I'm right. I said, John says this. This is why he wrote it. And I'd be interested, Martin Hannah, just how far he's fulfilled his purpose. He says this. He says, you know, Jesus did many other miraculous signs and not recording this. is in John chapter 20. But these have I written sufficient that anyone, as they read these, could believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they may have life in his name. And I said, Martin, how far has he fulfilled his purpose? I said, has this helped you to understand who Jesus is? Martin was the first. He said, it has. He said, Pi, I said, I had no idea, he said. For me, it was just a, a, a mystical kind of thing. And I said, but I've really come to understand who Jesus is as the Son of God. And, and I said, well, that's amazing. I said, what about the next purpose that is to understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing, you may have life in his name. I said, is that something you would love to know, Martin? That life? He said, I would. He said, but again, how do you, you get that? How do you do it? I said, well, often, folk, you know, it's just expressing simply in prayer sometimes that, he said, but I, I've never prayed. I don't know how to pray. Martin Hanley sat together on that sofa. I can still think now. I said, would you like me just to help you to put that into words in a prayer? They said, if you would, Pa. I said, will you just pray with me, but let me say what I'm going to say, pray so you can understand it. 
I said, it's something very profound. It may sound simple, because that's meant to be for everybody, even a person who's illiterate could do it. But I don't want to oversimplify to make it seem some, like some formula. But it's like an ABC, I said. And, uh, you know, the A is to admit our need before God. The Bible calls it repentance. The B is to believe. The Bible calls it faith. The C is to commit ourselves. The Bible calls it receiving, just as you read in here in the beginning of John's Gospel, chapter 1, to as many as received him to those who believed in his name. I said to receive is to open your life. And so we prayed together, and they prayed aloud. Such a real prayer. And there that Saturday morning, they both, for Hannah, it was recommitting herself. Of course, she had a Christian background, but had wandered miles away from that. And, and for Martin, this was the first time in his life. And there was something so special. You could just sense the Holy Spirit bringing to birth that new life in Jesus. In fact, we finished it by the end of January, and it was so keen, we, we said, why don't we do the next book? It's Acts the Apostles. And yesterday, Saturday morning, yesterday, in fact, they've experienced what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We even yesterday talked about baptism. In fact, on my way here today, I've got a spare one in my pocket, I think, so um, on my way here today, I posted in, the, in, the, in that one on Camford Lane, letterbox there, believe and be baptized. We just talked about what it may be. I'd already, they'd never seen, so I'd sent them already with the ABC because the Why Jesus little booklet we often use actually uses ABC. So uh, I posted them that a few weeks earlier, but just that sense of taking those steps. You see, there's something about that responding to the voice of God, those promptings of God's spirit, the prophetic. Go to the village up there and you'll find a donkey tied. Ah, we don't want to bother. We can find a donkey. No, 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 no. They obeyed it. What is it in our life every day to sense those promptings of God's spirit? To hear his voice. That amazing scripture in Hebrews, quoting from the Old Testament. Today, today, this Sunday morning, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. It's hardness of heart that robs us of hearing his voice. I, I'm sure I've told you many times a story from when I was just a little boy, and that was many, many years ago. I, I, and, um, but it, it left such a deep impression at that age of life. But I was coming home from primary school, and uh, I used to pass my granddad's house. And I always popped into granddad's on my way from school because he had this great roaring fire. This was in South Wales now, in Penarth, and uh, it was that Welsh coal, and on that black, he had a great black hearth, as it were, and a kettle stood on it, boiling all the time, as it were. And, uh, it, and granddad used to give me dripping on toast, which tasted great at the time. I'm not sure I'd fancy it today, but there we are. And um, I sat on this, he had a little brown fender around the, around the front of the fire and uh, I sat on the carpet just in front of it and he'd tell a story now granddad his sight wasn't so good his hearing was, was duff as well but could he tell stories and I was sat there just a little boy he's telling me the story and I'm fascinated but as he's telling me the story a red hot coal falls out of the fire into the grate just where I am I almost jumped out of my skin but granddad didn't notice it because he wasn't so good at seeing it until just a few minutes later it was still red hot and granddad reached down to pick it up. I didn't have a chance to stop him. And as he took hold, I was waiting to go, yelp! You know. But instead of that, he took hold of the coal and we just put it on the fire. And still was telling me the story. I don't remember another word of the story, but the next day on the Saturday morning, I went to get granddad shopping. I always did it on a Saturday morning. And he gave me the money for the shopping in the hand he picked up the coal. I can remember taking that money out of his hand and feeding his hand. See, granddad had been a carpenter all his life. The top of his fingers was like thick leather. 
So often the, the slip of a hammer had bruised his fingers or the slip of a chisel had cut him and it got so much bruised and scarred over the years that it had become hardened. That's what happens with the human heart. You get hurt. You get bruised. Life is a bruised experience at times. There's the scars of past hurts. Before long, it's where you feel people have let you down, broken relationships, hurt and heartache. The church has let you down. God has let you down. He didn't answer the prayers you thought he would. And before long, there's no longer that sensitivity to his voice. Even you read the scripture, you think, oh, I've heard it all before. We've become hardened. Today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your heart. God longs to prophetically speak into our lives. That's why those prophetic clinics can be such a helpful time where others spend time just with waiting on God. But every day when we open scripture, just like my friend with that diagnosis of cancer, but that day as he opened the scripture, speak, Lord, Psalm 139, just was God's word to him. You see, Jesus rode on the donkey in Jerusalem because that fulfilled a prophetic promise. What is in our lives to be fulfilling God's purposes, God's plan for us? Let's pray together. Why don't we just stand together as we pray, and uh, if you can stand, and uh, just be open in these moments to God by his Spirit, speaking into your life, into my life. Even just be open. Open your hands just to be receiving from God. He's much more ready to give than we're willing to receive or ready to receive. Even now, just be open to receive. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us afresh. Lord, today make Jesus' presence real to us. Lord, we take those words of Moses. Whatever condition we came into church today, whatever was on our minds, on our hearts, we may have felt miles away from you, but Lord, we say this. Don't send us out from here this morning unless your presence goes with us, Lord. Grant a fresh sense of your presence, a fresh openness to your voice. Soften our hearts, Lord. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. This week, Lord, may we just sense in fresh ways those prophetic promptings into our lives that go up to the village ahead of you and find the donkey tied up. Help us, Lord, to sense you prompting us to hear your voice and to obey. In Jesus' name, amen.